Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Lisa Gar, owner of Standing Room Only, which is an audience and casting company. As Hollywood is starting to get back to work after the longest shutdown in its history, it is now faced with the question of how to entertain people safely. We all want to get back to work, but now our families are involved. The good news is we get the chance to do what we do best, get creative. As a 30-year veteran of the entertainment industry providing live audiences for TV shows, Lisa Gar is doing just that. SRO, which is standing room only, has developed a hybrid audience of a small in-person crowd amidst a virtual audience of fans from all over the country. She and her team have provided a live audience of a socially distanced 25 people for the Bill Maher Show, Kevin Hart, and MGM. Ms. Gar and all Ms. Gar and all staff members are certified COVID consultants. Welcome to the show, Lorraine. Nice to have you Lisa, here. Lisa, hi. Welcome. Lisa, I'm talking to my... That was my first <laughs> no guest. Worries, so, no worries. Yeah, How together, are you? Kat. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a... Uh, you know, this is so... Uh, to me, anyway, this is like a really unique business. Very cool. And I think I, I did see the Bill Maher show the first time he did it with the 25 people. Uh, He's so great. Was he was so grateful. Yes, he yeah. was so grateful. You know, performers need audiences. They always have. Look back to... I mean, I really thought yeah. a lot about this lately. <laughs> Look back to the gladiator days. And anywhere you see entertainment, you see an audience. And the, the casualty of this pandemic has been entertainment. Look at our music industry and concerts and sports. And anywhere you see people gathered, you, you don't any longer. And it's going to be the last thing that comes back because... We have to recreate it. And I, I'm a huge fan of personal development. I have a radio show also called The Aware Show. And I was listening to um, one of the podcasts the other day. I think it was um, Dean Graziosi. And he was saying, if you're not changing right now in this current environment, you're dying. And if you're waiting for your industry to come back the way it was, you're done. And I really looked at that in a hard way because I was, literally. At the beginning of COVID, I thought, okay, well, this is going to, you know, this is temporary, this is going to pass over, maybe in the first month. Then, I, then it just set in and severe shutdowns and depression really happened. Like, what are we going to do? And people were dying. And it took a lot of inertia to get back into the reinvention, creative opportunity time. And I finally got those words out of my, my, my vocabulary of the uncertainty and the unpredictability, I had to sit in the driver's seat of my life again in my career and my company in this industry that I created, this really niche industry 30 years ago. And, and I've just been in that place of constant reinvention, creation. It's like I'm right out of college again. <laughs> and I don't but know how did you, I'm going to stop this. you because how did you do that? Because I think, I mean, that's critical, not just for your business, but for people in other businesses as well, you know, in the beginning of this, of COVID saying, well, we're going to get back to normal. Well, right. th- that's gone. Right. Okay. <laughs> and, and say, and, and you're sitting there, you say the first couple of months thinking the same thing. When did you realize, no, this is not going to happen? I mean, did you talk to other people about it, or did, you, or how, was it just an oh, individual? Oh, yes. I yeah. dove 
deeply into this. You know, I'm listening to a lot of Tony Robbins, too, and listening to really this whole period of depressions and recessions. And out of every depression and recession, new companies start to change the world. Historically, when you look back, I mean, the fax machine got created and internet and the personal computer. I mean, these, these were things that the, I think the top uh, 50 companies that we have on the, um, the Inc. 500 list right now were created out of a recession and depression. And I really started studying that and listening to the people. And I really, I dove deeply into this. And the answer to your question is it's got to be a mindset shift. You have to go into a period of reinvention and recreation rather than listening to the same story over and over and over again. Yes, the news is going to report the facts, and the facts are daunting, and they're important. But the more you loop on that, it is, in, it is a, a cyclical loop. But when you take all that energy and you put it into forward momentum, like, who can I call? Who do I know? What's out there? What's available? What's different? What's possible? That energy and that momentum goes forward. The other one it just recycles itself. More, <laughs> the more you stay on what's possible is a forward momentum, and that's where. And you know, I just looked at podcasts, and I found this great one called "How I Made This," and it's um, this. Uh, is that how, yeah, how I made this, and it's a PBS podcast, and it's all about companies that have recreated themselves during COVID, Airbnb and all these, you know, the travel industry and so forth. And I'm just listening to who are these people being. Wayfair, up 80%. And I'm really listening to who are they being, who is their, what is their mindset. And another thing that I found is collaboration. Collaboration is hugely important, Catherine, in this time. We are learning as a humanity that the more that we find and solve solutions together, the stronger we're going to be. And I believe a lot in collaboration right now. And I got as far as I could, and looking back, you know, into the whole pandemic, I'm sorry, I'm so chatty about this because this is really yes. alive for me in my life yeah. right now. But, you know, looking back on this whole pandemic, I wanted to, I didn't want to look back and say, what did I do that didn't work? I wanted to look back and say, all right, what did I do that did work? I had gotten a up to that point, a 30-year business on my back. I was the CEO, the CFO, the C-everything. And I have a great staff of 17 that have been with me for at least the past 15 years of that that I held on to as long as I could. And, and a few of them are still with me, but some of them had to jump to other companies. And it's been hard to see that you know, Do they have, can I just stop you, do they jump to other companies because they couldn't be on board, they weren't able to make the transition to go on board for the new company, sort of the, uh, it's the same company, but the new path? Well, our company, company essentially went away. We went from yeah. 3,000 people a week to 25. It went away overnight. Um, I remember that day on the 13th of March, it was I don't know if you remember the Armageddon-style rainstorm we were having, but it was this deluge of storms that were coming through, and then COVID started to hit and shut down and shut down and shut down. We were doing a show called Holy Moly, and it was out in the, like, desert, and it was overnight, and it was pouring rain, and then people were just getting infected, and they shut the whole thing down. It It was a very, very, very dark day. I remember the 13th and 14th of March. It was... Everything was shut down, just call after call after call after call. 
America's Got Talent, The Voice, American Idol, everything just gone. Audiences gone. And the whole stages shut down. Everything shut down. And I've never seen Hollywood do that in my career. And really look at what Hollywood's ever been through. Rider strikes, recessions, depressions. Hollywood's always been there because people need a way to see hope. They need future. They need laughter. And when you really look at it, laughter is so essential. It really is. It's something that gives us a, a break from our current reality, which can be daunting, and gives us a place of relief, reprieve, so that the serotonin can start flowing again, so the ideas can start coming in again. It's really an essential thing. And so that shutdown happened, and it's been a way of learning the roots of my company again. Really, the true roots is a connection. It's a connection between a performer, an artist, and a human being that wants to be entertained, that wants to have a break, that wants to laugh. And that's why Bill Maher came back, because he is an inherent comedian. And, and Ellen, these are people who are true comedians that rely on that feedback. They almost do comedy as a service to see if they can find a way to give people a break in their lives and spark laughter, spark feedback, connection, communication. It all happens at such a deeper level than what we see on television is just a TV show. And so obviously I've dissected this a bit. (laughs) Well, you have. And what I'm thinking about is you're talking, you know, making the the change that you have, you know, everything shut down, which is really, well, had never happened before in, in Hollywood in quite the same way. But you had your own personal experience, and I'm going to. What I want to know is how that helped you to get through this, because as I understand it, what in 2000 you had a life-threatening mm. bike accident, and you almost lost your whole business then. So you've had yes, yeah, experiences. To tr- talk to us about that and how that I would assume helped you to get through this. Uh, it has and pandemic. The, you know, we're yeah. all. We're all very familiar with, with resilience. I mean, as a business owner, as a human being, living especially in a, a busy city like L.A., you, you are familiar with, with resilience. And I did have a very difficult brain injury. And if I hadn't gone through the brain entrainment and the, the levels of um, neurofeedback and EEG and all of the supplementation and all the training that I had to do to wake up the the parts of my brain that I had damaged, then I wouldn't be where I am now. So I definitely know what it means to persevere. And at that time, I had lost my memory. I lost my my, uh, long-term and short-term memory. I was having an extremely difficult time. I luckily had a boyfriend at the time that allowed me to stay in his house for three months because I didn't, oh, it was an awful dark time. And um, my employees took over my company. I mean, that's why they stayed with me for so long, all the way up to this pandemic, because they really took ownership. And I said, look, guys, you have to finish conversations that I started because I can't remember what I said. And shows were losing faith in me because they were trying to figure out what happened to me, where I was. I was absent. I was not remembering conversations. And so, thank God, you know, I just wonderful, wonderful people who work with me they kind of took over and they all of a sudden I started getting flowers from these production companies and I couldn't figure out why something must have been wrong but I was continuing in my entrainment period where I was trying to rebuild my brain and 
I eventually did, and out of that, I started a radio show. And the reason why is because the brain needs to do the same pattern every day in order to rebuild itself. It literally builds physical neurons, and it builds new bridges and pathways in the brain. And so the places that I had damaged were gone. They had imploded. So the radio show I started because I started diving into personal development information and mind over matter and imagination and visualization. And then I, as a daily practice, started the radio show because I would, like you're doing, interview people and find inspiration. And then when I communicated it to other people, it built more bridges and more blocks in my brain and more feelings of of connection and all of that stuff builds dopamine and serotonin, all those great chemicals that get your brain back into balance. And so when anyone knows that has had a brain injury, it never is a one-time fix-it-all situation. It is a constant. For the rest of your life, you will have to resupply the brain with serotonin and dopamine on a regular basis so that it becomes, in a way, addicted to that pattern. You created so a today, this is, we're talking 20 years to 2000, we're talking right. 20 years later. What do you, right. I mean, <laughs> so you yeah. still have to, to be aware that this is something you have to constantly be aware of that you Absolutely. have to work on and you, what do you do? You wake up in the morning and, and what, do you have to do anything? Well, the, I mean, meditate? first of all, I do, I exercise every single day because it, it stimulates the hormones, which is great. But I also, you know, I do the, I interview people and I dive into this information. I do two or three interviews a week, like you, you know, it, it, you got to tell me that what you do, you love, right? Absolutely. It. Yeah. Yeah. It, isn't it in some way life-saving? Yes, I, I would say yeah. so. And it just permeates your whole life in terms of everything that you do, all your relationships, what, you know, all your connections um, are stimulated by it it's uh, as you say all those good chemicals after you've interviewed somebody or do a show are are, are there um I, I mean i think you've described it really well and uh yeah, yeah and that feel- you get to share with other people what you know and it makes you feel good right yeah. i mean that's awesome yeah and that's what i kind of that is my daily practice is exercise interviewing amazing people and working on my business and my family, since everything's at home, I have a daughter who's about to, oh, my God, this college process is crazy with the applications and the what they, I, oh. I, <laughs> well, I've been through that. I don't want to go through that again. Three times, and it was enough. Oh. Three boys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I I hear you, and it is a tough process. So everything we're doing these days as humanity is a work in progress. We're recreating, reinventing, and I just have found that it is more powerful to be in that mindset than it is that to be in the mindset of waiting or being angry at the news. And I just find it a far more powerful conversation than, you know, the other way. And that's kind of also this other part when I was talking about you doing your radio show and how you help, it helps you when you bring this information to other people. And it's even better when someone else lets you know, hey, this really changed my life. Wow, what does that do for you? When we're in this place right now of being able to help humanity and really be introspective about that, it rises our overall entire experience of life. I mean, it really makes us happier human beings when we're helping each other, even if it's our own household, or you're helping a parent 
that is, you know, alone and aging or a senior citizen or a family in deep need. It's a time where giving is going to actually, there's a whole concept called giver's gain. You don't give to get, but it winds up happening tenfold. And and it, it's just that period of life where I have found that really helps motivate me to come up with new ideas and new solutions and new ways of pivoting in my business. It's not easy by no, any means. I just want to stop you because we don't have that much time left, and I really want you to tell us the specific of this new business because that's fascinating. I mean, you're talking about being COVID-certified consultants as you're doing this. Uh, and also, I'm thinking about you're talking uh, about connecting. How do you create an energy and a vitality to this new way of creating an audience? That is, um, it, that's exactly what I'm doing is that I am raising awareness and information and education about how to get and gather people together again safely. Now, we have a protocol that we've created and SAG has a, SAG-AFTRA has approved and we're working with HBO and the Bill Maher Show to really bring a safe audience back together again. Everyone is pre-tested. The testing is vitally important, and it's getting so much more sophisticated, so the windows of the results are back are down to 12 to 24 hours. So everyone gets pre-tested, and then outdoors, by the way, the testing has to be socially distanced, spaced apart outside. So if someone were to test positive in that testing environment, it doesn't impact the environment, and that is very important. You have to do the testing outside. People are either distance or in their cars. And then they come up for their test and then they leave. So that environment has to be very protected. All the results that come in, we take those the people that test negative, of course, and book them into the show. As they come into the studio, socially distanced again, six to eight feet apart, everyone's got PPE, everyone gets temp checks, everyone goes through the, in this case, the CVS protocol. Again, they have to go through um, hand sanitizing, CBS provides masks so they know that they're the right masks and and it um, people go through the temp checks and there's a really careful protocol that um, all of the COVID consultants and, and the Vilmar show has worked to put together very, very specifically. And then it's uh, once they file into the studio, all the chairs are six feet apart and that's the reason there's only 25 to 30 people. And we create an environment that, you know, the host is, far, far away from the audience, so it protects the crew, a very minimal crew, and and the uh, Ellen Show is doing the same thing. They have people go through the, Warner Brothers has a parking lot, and the parking lot is the testing center, and you drive in, and you get pre-tested, and then you can go into the protocols into the show. If you think about this, you're safer going to a television show than you are seeing an airplane with however many people that you don't know have been tested or not, but you're sitting right next to them with a mask on. I really think the airlines need to implement or convert an entire terminal to a testing terminal and pre-test everyone before they go into their individual terminals. Much bigger undertaking, I know, but if if you get the test and you now that the vaccine is rolling out, that's going to be even more helpful. But being pre-testing is information. It tells you, okay, I am negative at this point, and then minimize your exposure. Do not you pretty much have to quarantine between your test and your day of your work. Everyone's paid, by the way. So we are now putting people on payroll, which protects them under workers' comp in these television shows. So they're protected, and it provides a service for people. It's a job. It's a job between jobs. It's a 
It's a part-time gig. It's something that you can do for a little extra money, and who doesn't need that these days? It gives it, so many things. It checks so many boxes of people being able to make a little bit of extra cash during this time. So that's the protocol that we put into place. Would that work being, I'm in New York City most of the time, does that kind of, would that work in, on Broadway, for instance? Or is that It absolutely very, would work on yeah. Broadway. It would require people getting, you know, right now I think one of the airlines is sending at-home test kits. But the testing is getting so much more sophisticated. You can get a result within two hours now um, because the labs are now, they no longer have to drive the test kits to a central lab. The labs are now portable. And the testing kits are more self uh, like a pregnancy test almost. They, you do a certain solution, then it gives the result right you know, instantly, like in 15 minutes. So as the testing becomes more sophisticated, it's going to allow people to gather together. But right now we suggest very small numbers of 25 or 25% of the capacity. But, yes, Broadway, um, all of the crew would, and the talent would get tested, and the environment would be a safe environment to gather back together again. You don't get that when you go to the market or you're in line at the bank or anywhere else you're going. It's risky. I say go into an environment where that's controlled and that's pre-tested and that you can actually monitor. And one of the, um, you know, people are starting to catch on to this, but it really is all about getting yourself tested and on a regular basis. And the tests are now a lot less invasive. You don't have to stick these things five feet of nasal canal. It's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're a lot less invasive, and all they really need is a small sample. So it's getting better, and as we go through this winter and the, this kind of dark period, it's going to get a little bit worse before it gets better statistically, and I think we're going to come out of this in the spring with a lot of new ways of getting together that were better than before. How many people used to get sick getting on an airplane? You know, years ago, you would fly and then it would be a flu tube. You know, <laughs> now they've got better circulation and cleaning between times and you're wearing masks. I don't think I'll ever travel without a mask ever again. I mean, I think it's a great idea. <laughs> and well, It's so a great idea not for all kinds of diseases, whether it's just, uh, you know, normal flu or colds or anything. It's yeah. a good idea. Uh, you know, just, yeah, I think I wouldn't travel without a mask either. I, um, right. Definitely. I mean, you're right on the cutting edge here with your business. It sounds to me like you could, ju- you're, it could explode. I mean, you're talking about television Girl, shows. I but have boy, to be. Yeah. I have to be. <laughs> <laughs> there is no choice. I have way too much on the line. And when you get to that point, it's like, you know, it's like being a fierce mother. You defend your child at any cost. And of course, not at the harm of others, but this, like my company, is my other child. I, I defend this company and what it stands for, and as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, I defend entrepreneurs. I empower them to and encourage them to get up, get yourself back together again, and start to create possibilities. Pick up the phone. Go on LinkedIn. Do whatever you need to start to move in the direction of possibilities, even if it doesn't happen right away. One of the greatest business coaches I've had, this guy Jim Selman, he said that leadership is when you create a possibility without the evidence of its existence. And most everything we have around here, look at your computer you're staring at, someone created that possibility without it ever existing. And they created it from imagination and visualization and connection with the right teams. And, that's and you how are we so, have we have one minute, you're, you know, as a 
radio personality. We have 30 seconds left. So I have to cut you off, but I want you to, Lisa, just give us a website and or websites we can go to for more info. Okay. It's standingroomonly.tv, and the radio show is theawareshow.com. Great. Lisa (laughs) Garr, thanks so much for being on the show today. It was great. Take care. Bye. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com.